Quite the Thing Media, we aim to bring you the best podcasts produced by independent creators, made without constraints. Hello and welcome to Quite the Interview from Quite the Thing Media, a podcast about podcasts. My name's Colin McMillan and basically what we're here to do is interview other independent podcasts and podcast hosts and find out what makes them tick and hear their story and the journey they've been on. Joining me today is the owner and founder of Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, who are a top 100 Patreon network. His podcast has been in the top 20 of the British Podcast Awards for the last two years. He's also a published author and most importantly, he's my mate. It's David Edgar. David, how are you? Hello, Colin. Yeah, it sounds quite impressive when you say it like that. Um... I hadn't, I hadn't really realised, as you know, I, I don't have the greatest memory for anything, really. So <laughs> it tends to be move on from one day to the other. But yeah, it's doing all right. I've got to admit, it's, it's going pretty well. Uh, well, you obviously have been, been doing podcasts for a, a long time now, far longer than I've been doing them. And um, I've got some questions just to kind of ask you kind of about the, your, your history yeah. of podcasts, what you've been doing, how long you've been doing it, and what you've kind of learned along the way. Absolutely, mate. And I'm looking forward to to answering and hopefully if, if anyone listening hears and thinks I could do that that's that's the whole point of it exactly yeah so I mean first things first then I obviously know because I've worked with you on the network for a while but what is your podcast first and foremost it's a football podcast primarily it's called Heart and Hand Rangers podcast and it covers Rangers from an admittedly biased point it's by supporters it's what we call fan media and it's is very upfront about that. It doesn't claim to be neutral. It's not neutral. It's from a Rangers point of view. I do think we're very fair in our coverage, um, but we will always be uh, watching it through blue tinted spectacles. But it's it's then growing over the years where we do shows on other football, other sports, and then when we started our network on Patreon, and I know network might sound like a bit of a, a posh term, but it really has grown to that where we, as you know, we have up to five shows every single day and we do shows out with that. And, and that came about through the audience getting to know us and, and liking us really and saying, you know, we wouldn't mind if you did something else. I think we were all a little reluctant to, to go there. Um, but we decided we would add it at no extra cost. So if they didn't like it, fine. It didn't. It didn't stop them getting what what they were paying for. And we we moved to do things about pop culture, history, uh, current events, all those those kind of things. And also just shows that are that are designed to to have a laugh. I think one of the key things that that's always been behind what we do is a sense of community which obviously comes out of being a football fan anyway i mean that's that's the reason we do it is to be part of something that's that's bigger than ourselves um it's it's quite basic i think human desire and uh therefore i think within our community we've done things like quizzes and we've done things like it's hard to explain basically just shows where we'll sit down and talk you know to each other but in an inclusive way there's not ever a case of saying you know this is ours and and you're not allowed into it there'll be end jokes and stuff but people get them and they, they get to feel a part of it and i think that's been one of the reasons why it's been successful and also why it's lasted and grown because i think that, that people are much more into it and much more tied to it than they would have been had it just remained uh, as i say a fairly you know benign surface thing i think we've always been a bit deeper than that 
or benign's not the right word, anodyne is probably the right word, where we have made it much more of a community focused thing. We've made it much more of a, these are just your friends speaking and, and people get to know you through the podcast and they interact with you and we're, we've been good for uh, interacting back with them. And I think that, you know, we've got a retention rate on Patreon of over 90%, which is one of the, I think we're in the top 20 for retention rates. And and that's a testament to when people come into it, they, they, they don't just tend to to listen to the odd show. They tend to, to get fully involved in it. I, th- I think you've you've heard examples, especially over the last twelve months or so, David, during the pandemic of that community and the impact this community that you've built does have on those listeners. They, they generally do feel that they're tuning in and listening to their pals talking three or four times a day, don't they? Yeah, obviously the circumstances that we've all had to go through in the in the past fifteen months or so has been something that we never expected and and we did a couple of things right at the start of the pandemic which is if anyone was in financial trouble just to to tell us and the, the subscription would be free that that we didn't want anyone feeling that they had to cancel it because we know that people have to make cuts and if this was one tiny little thing that helped i mean we're not kidding ourselves about, about how big it was um and then immediately without being asked money started to come into the heart and hand account and i was what the hell is this and it, it was other patrons donating and saying this will pay for a few months for someone this will pay for a few and we ended up with you know more much more than we needed and we ended up donating a large chunk of it to the nhs and that's the sort of community spirit that we fostered we, we never we didn't ask we, we we weren't planning on it you know we were like right we'll take the hit for a few months it's just, fine you know it's something that we'll do but people people stepped up and and paid into it and the other thing we did is we we expanded and did a a few more shows because we figured people are going to be stuck at home they're going to be bored and they're not going to get to talk to someone they're not going to get to have that workplace interaction for example so you need a break from the tv occasionally and i think that that's what we provide and some of it was just silly you know we would accept that we did uh, a, a quiz based on the billy joel song uh, we didn't start the fire and people loved it because they understood that we were going through this with them and we would be honest and upfront about you know what what we were feeling i think that's something else we've done is that we've always um spoken about uh, mental health issues for example is something that's close to the heart of a lot of us um and just you know saying that to people to say if you're struggling let us know we're not going to lie and say oh that you know we're, we're psychiatrists or whatever but just if you want to talk to somebody who you don't know but you do know because i know how tough it is to talk to, to a family member at times it can seem the most difficult thing in the world um you know we, we won't promise to offer solutions but we'll let you vent you know and, and there'll be a friendly a friendly voice at the end of an email and a lot of listeners took us up on that uh, so you getting to do things like that are are rewards that you don't expect when you start certainly not a football podcast you know you don't expect that it'll become a part of people's daily routine and um as you know for instance we have a, a daily news show and if it doesn't go up at the time it's due to go you know if it's a few minutes late either way then you get people where is it um and they'll tell you that they'll say you know if i base my afternoon around update on and and uh, take it from there so it's it's an honor um and i don't think you can there's no way you can't get from a start off to that in a short time span because it's an organic process that is the kind of thing that 
no matter how much money you chuck at it, I mean, a huge institution could try it. It, it doesn't work like that. You can get listeners, you know, if you spend a lot of money in advertising, etc. You you obviously bring a lot of curiosity in. But in terms of establishing those roots, you have to let that happen, and you have to kind of just basically, you know, water the plant and and let it happen, and and almost without trying, really, and almost without noticing, we we sort of got here almost in a fit of absent-mindedness. You've been going for over 10 years, David, in one form or another, either through the weekly podcast, the bi-weekly podcast, or the, now with the, the all-encompassing Patreon network. What was it that, that made you to sit down and decide, why don't we give this podcast a go? What, what was your thought process and how did that come about? There were a couple of things. Um, I had been involved in what might be termed fan activism for a number of years where I was a member of a, a Rangers supporters group and was involved in that. And it was quite high profile because of the size of, of the club. So I had a lot of uh, media experience. And the other thing was it was a job I had at the time. Um, I worked in web and podcasts were just sort of emerging and up in the workplace. We said we should, should get into this. So I, learned how to do them you know how to record them how to upload them just the basic stuff that you need to know if you're going to do it so i would do it for work and i'd been doing you know quite a few business ones i spoke to you know some famous malcolm gladwell was one that i did a podcast with so it was i i had this experience so i was sitting when i left the the supporters trust and i was i didn't want to do anything as heavy because it's quite a difficult thing to do that is voluntary but it, it takes up a lot of your time and uh, a lot of emotion so I didn't I didn't really want to stick in that and I wanted to do something quite light-hearted for my next thing so I, I wrote a book as you mentioned at the start um, which was great it was you know sort of kind of thrilling to see your book in a library you know with its ISBN number um, so that was like an ambition fulfilled and then the other thing was traveling to work because it was based um, in Edinburgh and I lived in the west coast I lived in Glasgow a lot of time to kill so i started listening to podcasts and there weren't anywhere near the volume that there are now they're just so you you discovered a lot of stuff um a lot easier back then because it was you know virgin territory really and there was uh, a football one for arsenal hosted by the comedian alan davis that I listened to, and I'm not an Arsenal fan, I've no particular feelings towards them, but it was just, it was funny. And you didn't have to be an Arsenal fan to to appreciate it. There was a lot of humour in it. Um, and it. And it was a more realistic, I thought, reflection of what being a football supporter is, because I don't think in the media that that was really cared for. You would read a lot of stuff, especially about Rangers fans, that I didn't recognise. I didn't get that perception. And, and it it seemed very po-faced and it seemed you know very angry and I thought that's not really the experience of going to games so I, I kind of thought about it and a friend said well look rather than talking about there should be a, a Rangers podcast like that Arsenal one why don't you do it and see if anything comes of it so I phoned the production company that did the the Alan Davis one and they do several others they did uh, you know, a lot of English clubs uh, quite a few famous names involved. You know, Ray Winston was a regular on their West Ham show, and uh, uh, Phil Cornwall, the, the the impressionist, he did their, their Tottenham Hotspur show. So um, I phoned them up, more in hope than expectation, kind of thing. But they said, yeah, yeah, you know, I sent them a few of the, the clippings, I suppose you would call them. But some of them are interviews that I've done on you know Sky and the BBC and stuff, and said, look, 
this is me. I think I'm a, a decent talker. I've got an idea for what I want to do with the show. It'll be like this. Here are the people I'm going to bring in, which was essentially just my mates. Um, and we'll, we'll see from there. So luckily, because we did a, a pilot and they were happy with it. So we recorded the first one. And I was kind of fortunate because I did have at the time, a, 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 not, you know, I really don't want to make it sound more than it is, but I, I had a wee bit of a kind of, you know, football media profile in Scotland. So I was able to to kind of get it out there at that time and just say to people to try it. That was the advantage that I had back then was that um, people would at, lo- at least look at it because the most difficult thing is establishing an audience. Sure. Because there's so much competition out there. So I was fortunate enough that people would at least go, okay, I'll check it out. And that, that you know, you're off to... You're off to a flyer there. And then the first week, it actually hit number one on the iTunes chart. And we thought, oh, right, well, there's something going on here. Um, and the test comes after three or four weeks. It doesn't come after the first one because curiosity, people might check it out, but will they come back? And it, and it grew. And it's always going pretty steadily from there. We've never really done advertising. You know, we've, we've done some things with Rangers, like we've sponsored players and stuff, but we've never done uh, heavy advertising otherwise again going back to the you know organic growth thing so everything that that came there has has really in the main came from word of mouth and i think that kind of speaks volumes for the the community and the the listeners that you have kind of got together that it's very much we've yeah you have got lots of different listeners from all sorts of different walks of life but they have that one thing in common which is they, they, they love Rangers. And I think it's it's not unfair to say they're looking, they were looking for something fresh, David, and a different take on it that maybe the traditional media wasn't giving them at the time. Yeah, and I think that that was, that was probably the key reason for starting it. And I think that there's always been um, an element of that. Like I'm a great fan of, of punk music and, and particularly like proper punk, not this shite now that... You know, guys with sleeve tattoos and stuff that are signed to major labels, but you know, like proper old facts. So, the, the, the reason punk came about was we are not getting from the music scene what we want, so we'll just go and do it ourselves. And I've always been influenced by it, but everything I've done is, is rather than sit about complaining or sit about waiting for someone else to do it, uh, the Homer Simpson, you know, can't someone else do it? Um, just go and do it yourself and if it works great if it doesn't what did it cost you you know um so that that was a huge influence and i think it was and and kind of like you know what i i came out of the the, the fanzine culture in football of of the the 90s the, the late 80s and the 90s so it was kind of in my blood anyway to go and do that that if if someone isn't if something isn't being provided for you, go and provide it yourself and see if you can offer an alternative. And that's all you can do. And a lot of people will stick with the mainstream media because it's bigger, it's shinier, it's got a much bigger budget. It's It's got tradition, it's got hooks. But increasingly, that's not the case because of the advances in technology, really. Um, the fact now that a lot of people, almost everyone has a smartphone. Um, and people who maybe you wouldn't have got listening to a podcast 10 15 years ago will listen to a podcast now quite comfortably so it's accelerated the process a little bit and it's the the corollary to that is it's i think accelerated the, the downhill process for you know the, the the death of things like print media and whatnot but all you can do is is just say there's this here 
you know, and, and one of the things Rangers fans, you know, including me, very much so, me in, in, in my role, uh, as I say, with the Supporters Trust, was to moan about the media. Well, there comes a point where you can just keep moaning, it's not going to change, this is this is what it is. So what we wanted to do was say, okay, if you're like us and you don't want to listen to this anymore, here's something else. Now, you might not like this either, we get that, it's not, you know... But what we did say, and we've always been very keen on, if you don't like us as the alternative, go and do something yourself, and then there'll be another alternative, and eventually there'll be enough out there that you're going to find something for you, and and that's been one of the the sort of key things behind, and it's one of the reasons why you know within the the kind of Rangers fan media community, there is an awful lot of support. People do tend to help each other out and they tend to support each other rather than, no, this is mine and you, you know, I don't want you touching this. It, it's always been like, I'll always go on other people's shows or I'll always, you know, help them out with retweets and stuff. Um, and it doesn't mean that, you know, I can't offer them advice that might be, Look, this is you're doing too much of this, or you shouldn't do that, and you should do this. I mean, I'd, I'll do that too if they ask, but it's it's all done in a positive way. Yeah, because again, it just comes down to that that bigger community thing, isn't it? And the fact that you're all in it for the same reasons, really. So it's yeah, it's not like a competing traditional business type thing, because at the no, at, at, at the core at the heart of it and the core of it is is something special to everybody. Um, how would you say the podcasts have kind of changed and evolved over the 10 years, David? Obviously, the, the network came along and all the different shows and stuff like that. But just the general tone and this is, seems a daft question to ask you, but the planning and the stuff that goes into the pods before you actually hit the record button. How's that changed over the years? Well, planning hasn't because we don't do it. Well, I don't do any. You know, Colin does. Colin, Colin scripts things and Colin works on what he wants to do and, and much more professional than me. Whereas I've always just been wing it you know turn up open my mouth and and what comes out comes out and then one day i'm sure i'll open my mouth and what comes out no one wants to listen to and that's fine you know that's cool but i'm, I'm not if i wrote it down it wouldn't it wouldn't work one i'd forget it um, anyway but uh yeah the tone has changed definitely when it first started it's kind of like the wild west um and even though it was only 10 years ago it was a different time there were jokes you could make and things you could say that you just it wouldn't fly now and and also you know i've gone on a personal journey myself i think you always you, you keep learning and things that i thought were appropriate to say then i realize now aren't and i know a lot of people will say oh you can't say anything now and and that's a, a different debate and a very valid one but in my case it's it's been more from you know speaking to people and them explaining their point of view and me just going oh I hadn't thought of it like that you know and, and you find out about things like unconscious bias and things and, and whatnot so that it's not always a forced process I suppose is what I'm trying to say social mores change and morality changes uh, and you either can fight it or you can you know you can go with it and I think we are you know the the, the silliness we wouldn't we wouldn't uh, go along with, you know, the really daft stuff that, that's too much. But I think on the sensible changes, we were happy enough to say, OK, yeah, that, that's fair enough. Um, and it's why when people say, you know, people who don't like us because it's football and there's rivalry and people who don't like you, they'll take something from 2010 and say, you said this. And I'll say, yes, I did. And I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. I wouldn't say it now. Um, and they get very upset about that. And I think, well, if you're so against this, then surely you're, you would be hoping that someone would grow and develop and learn. But 
it makes me think that that's not the purpose for digging something like that out. No, no, it's not. It's this permanent offence. Whereas it's kind of like, well, if you're saying that you're battling to remove uh, this particular thing from the airwaves, and I'm saying I agree with you, then (laughs) not quite sure what the problem is. But um, so the tone has definitely changed. Also throughout the period that that Rangers were, you know, went through probably the worst period in their history. So a lot of it was very, very grim humour and just you know let's get through this um and that that changed and, and we became different we got different voices on different ages you know we got different people from different communities you know we, we got very consciously we wanted to, to, to get more female voices on we wanted to get people from um, BAME communities on so it, it it became bigger and more voices and different. And again, though, it's never, we've never sat down and, went and gone, right, what's the next six months look like? Or, right, what, what's our, our tone going to be? We've never done that. It just changes. And, and you can't point to a bit where it was then and we sat down and, you know, from, from that month, we it, it's never, ever been like that. It, it's changed organically and it's developed at, at its own pace. And again, that's, I think, probably healthier because there's no jarring, you know, 90 degree angle right turns um, in, in that period. We've always just put out a show. And it, as I say, it changes through time unless you are a fully developed human being which I'm not and doubt I ever will be. I think you're always learning. You're always having new experiences. You're always getting different views and, and trying to learn. Then you'll change. And therefore what you're saying will change. And, you know, what your ideas will be will change. I'm, I'm 10 years older than I was when I started it. So I would expect that I would have different views on things. And that that's kind of what's happened with it, that you get those different voices you get influenced by different voices as well. You, you know, you're always taking that on board. And I think that that's, that's led us to, to be where we are just now. I, I think it's better for that because I think it's it's far wider ranging now and I think it's got far more colour. And again, you'll always have people who miss the early days and that's cool, I get that. You know, I'm a music snob and a great believer in I prefer their early work. So I get that attitude 100% or I preferred you when you did this. And, and, and that's cool. I, I, I totally understand that. But for me, I'd, I know I'd get bored. And I know now if I was trying to recreate the early shows, then, then it would be false because it wouldn't be what was naturally coming out from me. It would be a, a deliberate and willful attempt. And I think that for any podcast of what people can, can, smell almost instantly is when you're not authentic i think people get that and if they do you're dead if they think you're trying to make them like you um which we all are that's why we put podcast out but i think if if you do that and people sense that then the, the shutters go up i think that they've got to feel that they're listening to a real person and they're getting a real conversation and if they don't feel that particularly with independent media then because you know if you're independent media you don't have bosses you don't have people saying this is the party line and i think then if you come across in a way that that screams in authenticity then people will recoil from that and and again that's why we've never done 
right, well, this worked. You know, we've never focus grouped and said, well, they like this some more of this and they don't like that some more of that. That's never been the way that we've worked. We've always said we will produce a product and they will either like it or they won't like it. And and, and again, you know, the longer you do it, you get things that you think, well, that doesn't really work and whatnot. And that's fine. But what we've never done is is been led by anything other than our own choices and decisions. Yeah, the the whole organised fun thing people see through that immediately. Yeah. It's, it's not good. I remember a previous a previous employer I had. We had like our yearly big meeting where the leadership team came and spoke to all the staff. And I remember one year they all turned up, and I noticed that every one of them was wearing Converse, and they didn't wear Converse the rest of the year. And this was just a little thing to try and bring them onto our level <laughs> to yeah, be down for everybody. And, and it's, it's so it's and just I, so crass. I think with a podcast when with a podcast you know any entertainment but particularly with a podcast because it's such a personal thing you know it's, it's literally mostly consumed on headphones you know so um it, it, it's quite a personal activity and i think that if you've got somebody who's desperate for you to to like them then all you take out of that is a desperation indeed yeah. and it's it's something that i know puts puts people off like you spoke about the two um, to talk to it finishes at the British Podcast Award. We don't really ask for votes. You know, we we maybe stick out a tweet saying this is the first year we didn't. I didn't know about it until we were nominated, and it was our listeners who'd done it. The second year, I put a tweet out going, you know, we got in there and it was cool, and that was literally it. Whereas, yeah, I've listened to podcasts and two or three times an episode yeah. was going on about how you can vote, and and I I find that a little off putting, and I find it a little bit, you know desperate because you you're asking people to give up their time to listen to you and now money you know in our case and in, in a growing amount of podcasts um money because when i first started podcasts we are free in the story uh, and they've only really been monetized the last few years uh, i don't think you've then too much scope to spend the time asking them to do stuff that you've made a bargain with them which is i will entertain you for the next 40 minutes or whatever then do that. Don't spend your time shilling to them, particularly. Um, you know, adverts are different. That's a different thing entirely. But I think that you just have to, to draw that line. When you're trying too hard and it's too much of a grasp, I think it puts people off. And, I, you know, this is a key thing that I, I do keep coming back to and advice that I would say to anyone who's listening who's thinking about starting an independent podcast the first question when people come to me with a podcast, and I've you know I've been fortunate enough to be successful doing it, um, and I've been fortunate enough that therefore people want advice from me about it, and it's cool. And the first thing I always say to them is, okay, why are you doing this? And they'll go, what? <laughs> you know, um, the ones that do well are the ones that when I go, why are you doing this? They go, because this, and they give me three or four really good reasons, um, and that's great. The guys who are shocked and go, what? haven't thought about that which means generally oh well i listened to podcasts and i thought it would be nice if i had a podcast and it was a success and that's the wrong reason that's that's as i say trying to make the jump from a to to g without going through all the steps first what you have to do is i think with any creative enterprise i think that you've got to sit down and say i've got an idea and that's why I'm doing this, because I think this would be good, or I think I've got talent, or I think this has value. And then you go and do it. I don't think it's the right idea to say, I want to be a podcaster. 
and then try and work back from there because I, I think people sense that and I think people can see through that. If you've got an idea and you say, well, you know, people aren't doing this the way I would like it done. People aren't covering this subject. I think I'm very funny and people would like it. I think I'm, I've got a good point to make. I'm good at polemic. All of that is valid. But, well, I just thought I'd like to do a podcast. That's fine, but it ain't going to find an audience. No, it's not. One the one way you have found an audience is you've, you've done a couple of things over the years to evolve the podcast. One, obviously, get onto the Patreon network and increase the number of shows. The other one was taking it on the road and doing live shows where your listeners that have usually got just the earphones in their head are actually there in front of you, uh, live in a room and pubs and even in Ibrook Stadium as well, uh, where Rangers play. Mm-hmm. How did that come around? What made you, when you sat down and thought about next steps for the podcast, I know you don't do long-term planning or think about the next six months, but when you made the decision to let's do some live shows, let's look at Patreon as a way forward, how did you come to that decision and what was your fears about it before before you started? I didn't really want to do it. What happened was we did a fundraiser on Kickstarter because we needed new equipment. It was that simple. Um, we just we couldn't continue the way we were doing it. Like it, it, We had sturdy old equipment, you know, an old laptop and mics and stuff and a mixing board, but you, you physically had to get the podders together, all that sort of stuff. We've been aided so much by rapid development of, of technology. Um, but the whole podcast recording back in the day, uh, as the kids say, it, it would take sort of 12 to 15 hours all in to do it. Um, whereas now you can do a podcast, flip it around, get it live, get it out to people in a couple hours, you know, the whole process, including recording. So we needed new equipment and we did a fundraiser. Um, and one of the, you, you, I wanted to offer things, you know, if you pledge, you will get. Uh, and one of the things was, we'll do a live show. And it was just kind of scratching my head for, right, we need to offer things, you know, we'll mention them in the show, they'll get a certificate, all that stuff. But you also had to, I thought, give them something tangible. And it, it took us two years to get round to it. Um, <laughs> genuinely did. And then I thought, you know, I better do this. And to be fair, in that period, I was I was ill um, a couple of times quite seriously. Uh, so it wasn't, and people understood that, you know, it wasn't a case of me just being lazy or scarping with their money. But I was always going to do it. I was never going to just, you know, disappear. Um, so we did it. And that, that was it. I thought, right, one and done. All the pledgers got in. Um, that was fun. And because it's a different thing, it's a totally different thing to do it in front of an audience. And you have to be, and, and there's no way to test whether or not you're going to be good at it. I, again, I was lucky that I'd, I'd done a lot of public speaking when I was at the RST, and I, I, I felt confident that I had the ability to, to maybe control a room and keep people's attention. Um, but it wasn't something that I necessarily felt would automatically translate. So we did this with the understanding that it was basically more a night out with this as entertainment, but it was more about getting people together to thank them, you know, and, and buy the contributors a drink more than, any, you know, the thank you for supporting the pod. It wouldn't have been running at this point if it wasn't for you, because I was fed up spending 12 hours to get one hour podcast done. Um, and then it was done and that was it. But then people started to ask, you know, again, what the mouth thing, oh, I had a great night. Would you do that again? And, and, and I wasn't keen. I really wasn't because... I love podcasting because it, it, it fulfills a I'm I would describe myself as being not 
very comfortable in the spotlight, but I don't particularly enjoy being out of it that much either. So <laughs> it's this kind of weird halfway house and podcasting allows me to to do that um, in a way where I don't feel quite as exposed. Whereas at a live show, you're totally exposed because you you know you literally be standing there with you know your your friends and and fellow podders, and you're going on stage, and there are people who've paid money you know to to come and see you, and they've given up a night and they're expecting entertainment they've paid for entertainment and you've got nothing you know the, the, you're not going on with a guitar and you're not going on with a, a routine you're literally going out there with a microphone and you've got two hours and you've got to entertain people and that's a challenge uh, and also that another thing is like unlike comedians we don't as i say have a routine so you you every show's a new one every single show is different you can't tell the same stories every time You've got to to be different every single time. So you, you're basically coming up with new material, if you like, every single time you do it. So they are very challenging. I find them very, very emotionally difficult and I find them very um, uh, draining. However, they are incredibly rewarding. They are so much fun to do. And there is nothing like when you have made people, you know, all of the stuff I said there about a challenge, there is nothing like when at the end of it, people are saying, I've had a wonderful time. I thoroughly enjoyed that. That was worth the money I paid to come and see it. That makes up for any of the anxiety, you know, leading into it. Makes up for is the wrong term. That that supersedes that, that you know, pisses all over. Um, and you, you feel that rush and that adrenaline rush. But almost after every single one, the next day is like a hangover, you know, because <laughs> uh, you, you're up and down like a yo-yo. And the next day you're sort of right, I'm never doing that again but then after a couple of months you know and you've got new ideas and you've got new things to talk about because football evolves constantly that's one of the good things about it and you'd, you'd think right we'll do it again and we'll go back and we'll, we'll do it but I think I've had a newfound appreciation for it over the last 15 months because you now realise how much we took for granted just that community spirit of being in a room with you know two three hundred people who enjoy what you do um who as you say you know are, are, are part of the larger community that you are a part of uh, and they support the same team and all that that means i think it's a very important thing and and i think covid has has reminded us that it it's still a hugely important thing to to all of our psyches to to do that to get out there and to see people and to talk to people and to meet new people um and that's as can prevail an atmosphere as i think it's possible to do it in yeah i mean that the, the feedback in those rooms at the end of one of the shows it, it's great and the people coming up and telling you how much they've enjoyed it a review on itunes just can't compete with that sort of feeling does it you're actually no, no. you're looking into somebody's eyes and they're, they're thanking you Physically. It's, it's huge yeah and they're thanking you and you're like mate you paid <laughs> you, you, it's the other way around i don't i don't you know you you don't thank me i thank you for coming and as i say even just for giving up a friday or a saturday night that's a big thing of course, um yeah. you know people have limited leisure time and if they're they're saying that they're going to come to and come and see you um so it, it's it's pressure and again you know again just a wee word of warning to anyone starting i see this a lot where people start a podcast and they and, and immediately they're trying to book live shows and they've got merchandise out we didn't have merch for eight years and it came about because people asked us for it because I, I couldn't couldn't understand why anyone would wear a you know a heart and hand t-shirt and then somebody said to me you're literally wearing a t-shirt of a band 
And I was like, yeah, well, that's different. They're like, no, it's not. It's you're a fan of something and you want to express your fandom of it. Um, that's why it is. So I, we went in to merch um, and started doing merch. And as you know, because Colin um, is heavily involved in our merchandising, again, we do it more as a, a value add rather than we will make a fortune from this. Yeah. We've always been more into kind of, you know, quality and value for money and stuff. Um, we don't do it. We don't push it heavily. Uh, you gave me a row because one night somebody asked me what a range was, and I said, oh, I could just shite with a logo on it. Um, and Colin's like, you are the worst salesman in the whole world. I was like, I'm just being honest. Right? I said, it's perfectly good shite. You know, if you're buying a key ring, um, this is a good key ring. This is a good key ring. This will do the job. It's not an Apple tag. Um, it's not a Tiffany one, but it will do the job. Uh, you know, so I, I see podcasts that, you know, have got, three episodes and they're like check out our merch range and you're like no 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 nobody wants your merch yet you haven't done it you haven't earned it you know you haven't built that yet and when you do things like that people think it's ego and they think you're just trying to get money out of them and when people think that then a barrier goes up that's very difficult to overcome um so i know i might sound like crotchety old man and i know i might sound like oh it's all right for you you know because you've got an audience that can do it yeah but but we built it you, you need to do the the yards first and then when people start saying to you do you have t-shirts available do you have mugs available uh, are you thinking of doing a live show that's when you do it but when you do it just right at the start don't be surprised when nobody buys it because you, you haven't given them a reason to want to do it yet totally agree yeah spot on with that one you um to move away from your your own podcast a little bit. You mentioned the Arsenal podcast earlier on. What other podcasts are out there just now that you admire? Is there is there stuff that you listen to in your own spare time that you still enjoy from podcasts? Yeah, I listen to a lot of stuff on our network, and I, I'm not just saying that, but the stuff I'm not involved in because there's load. We've got about, probably about fifty contributors now, so there's a lot of good stuff on there. Um, sport wise, uh, I think that there's you know that there's some very good traditional ones that have been going for a long time now in the market, you know, like um, Football Weekly and the Totally show with James Richardson are good for that kind of thing. Um, but I also, I really like history, as you know, I'm a huge history buff, so I spend a lot of time listening to to those sort of things. So Slate do really good ones. Um, they did one called Slow Burn that's on its third series. Um, there's a guy called Lindsey Graham who does some great podcasts, American Scandal, uh, is one of his uh, scandal as well, haven't they? That's just came out. Yeah, they have. Week. Yep. Um, uh, Stephen Fry has got some great series out. He had one on the Seven Deadly Sins that that was terrific, and uh, one that I, I love, I absolutely love, is is uh, a podcast called Whistle Stop. The I think there's there's over a hundred episodes of it now, so it's one you can get into. But it, it's to do with American politics, which might sound a bit dull if you're not into. I'm, I'm, you know, I studied at a university, so it's, it's something close to my heart. But the way that it's 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 great stories, you know, amazing things that that genuinely did happen, but told beautifully. You know, there's something great about somebody who loves the subject, but has a sense of humour about it, and that's what the host John Dickerson has. So you get these stories, but, but he can laugh at the ridiculousness of certain things and he offers great insight as well. And I, I like to think that's kind of what we do, that we have a, you know, we, we're not overly serious about it. We're not, oh, this is sacred and it can't be joked about, you know, we, we don't do that. But there's still a genuine love for your subject that comes through. So uh, I, I 
think that's that's the best you can get when it's somebody who's who's deeply interested in a sub and and genuine love for a subject doesn't always need to be uh you know something how can i put it like you can be very interested in world war ii and do a wonderful podcast on world war ii love is probably the wrong term because it's war and it's horrible but passion then i might substitute in for that when you're passionate about your subject, you're passionate about telling the story of it um, in a way that people will find relatable and in a modern context. So I, I think that if you if you were to attempt to do something that you didn't feel that way about as an independent producer, I think it, it, it would struggle. Okay. And uh, last couple of questions, David. Uh, what famous person would you like to interview on your podcast if you could interview anybody? Um, let, let's let's give you a footballer and a non-footballer just to make it more interesting. Oh, that, that that's a really good one. Um, oh, you know that way that when somebody asks you a question like that, and like when your teacher in primary school said to paint a picture of something, and everybody draws a house. Yeah. Um, what's your favourite movie? To- you don't have a clue. That's sort of yeah, because, because your mind goes goes totally blank. Um, you know, obviously from our angels' point of view, Stephen Gerrard would be. You know, would be fantastic to talk to. Jose Mourinho, I think, from football would be the one because very interesting character. Uh, and I think, you know, has a, a lot of great stories to tell. So uh, that would be a lot of fun. Um, and from out with, you know me, I'm, I'm kind of weird in the, the regular. I don't, have, I don't really keep up to date with a lot of, celebrities so uh i'm i'm kind of coming really basically just for music rather than anything else so for that paul mccartney that would be the one you know just to sit him down and and try and get to you know try and get maybe through the persona a wee bit and get into what makes him tick because this is a guy who's you know in future centuries is going to be viewed the way we view you know, modes back and stuff like this. You know, it's 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 it's, it's a level of fame. Dylan is another one. Mick Jagger, you know, and Keith Richards. It's a level of fame and a level of I, I don't think you get these days. Yeah, I really don't. Even with the like, you know, people that that you know, my mum doesn't know who the Kardashians are. You know, she doesn't know who Dua Lipa is. I don't know who Dua Lipa is. Um, whereas I think that that's because of the way that media was limited back then. You know, there were a few channels, there were a few radio stations, everybody bought a paper. So if you were famous, you were really, really famous. Yeah. Whereas I think now because you can, you know, you can never watch a TV show, you can only watch YouTube or you can, you know, listen to only the music you want to listen to on Spotify and things like that. I think that it's changed and you can stay in your, your lane a wee bit more. So I think that we're maybe moving past that era where you had, you know, in music, I would argue probably the last one was was Madonna, really, that you're that iconic worldwide, everyone knows who this person is. So for me, yeah, as I say, one of, one of your classic rock stars would be would be tremendous. A good one. Paul McCartney did an hour or so on Adam Buxton not long ago, and it was excellent. Really, really good listening, actually. Uh, Adam and Joe's podcast was was just sensational. You know they were, they were so so good. I mean they're so good together. But again, it's that natural thing and and that you know obvious bond that they had with each other. Um, and I think that you felt a part of it, and that 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 was one of the reasons that it was so good. Yeah, and Joe abandoned him and went to Hollywood, and now he's on his own he pod in a way. But he's doing a good job. It's, it's he's doing a good, a good job. job. 
Um, finally, David, then, um, if you could go back to one point in your life to talk to your younger self, what bit of advice would you give yourself? Uh, well, yeah, there's a lot of personal stuff uh, that, that would affect my life. Uh, and without getting into that, I think, you know, from a work space thing is, you know, just, just roll with it. Just keep going. Work hard uh, at whatever you do. Or at least give the impression of working hard, which I've always been very good at. I've never been big into working hard, but I've always made people think that I was. Or maybe I was. Maybe I just have a different concept of that. But but just whatever you do, if you're doing projects, if you're doing stuff, do it on your own terms. You know, at least if you're going to fail, at least fail doing what you wanted to do, because th- there's nothing there's nothing worse, I think, than trying something and being safe and saying, well, I'll copy what they did because that worked and then you blow your opportunity and it wasn't even you that blew your opportunity you know just have the the courage of your convictions have faith in what you want to do have belief in it and then try things because don't be scared to fail if you if you fail you're not done you're only done when you say right i'm not trying it again but give things a go if it doesn't work move on to something else that doesn't work move on to something else you never know um, set realistic goals and then see where it takes you Great advice, thank you David um, If people have enjoyed hearing you today where can they go and hear more of your stuff, where can they find you online? They can find us at the Heart and Hand website which is heartandhand.co.uk They can check us out on uh, the Heart and Hand channel on YouTube and they can also check out our podcasts uh, there or they can check out the, the free ones that we do, Apple all the places you get your podcasts, all the podcast apps, uh, two free podcasts every single week. So go and check that out. And if you like them, then you can go to our Patreon site. Uh, it's one ninety nine per month as a starting price. And it's, as I say, you know, like 30 hours every week of, of various entertainment. And that's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Wonderful stuff. David, thank you so much for coming on and telling your story. I thoroughly enjoyed that. A pleasure. Thank you, Colin. Excellent. Um, We hope you've enjoyed that too. Uh, We'll be back another episode soon with another independent podcaster. Until then, thank you for listening. At Quite The Thing Media, we aim to bring you the best podcasts produced by independent creators made without constraints. 